You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Our Lord said to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Ferreira is lost to us. He denounced God in public and surrendered the faith. That's not possible. Father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over Japan. It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go find Father Ferreira. This is in your hearts, then, both of you? Yes. Then I must trust God has put it down. The moment you set foot in that country, you step into high danger. For your glory is their suffering. It's too dangerous. We ask for this mission. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White, coming to you with an interview with Randall Emmett. He is one of the producers of Martin Scorsese's Silence, as well as the producer of many other things. I definitely talked to him about quite a few films that he has had his hands in over the years. Hope you enjoy the interview, and thanks for listening. I wanted to know a little bit of your background. How did you get started in the business? Um, I grew up as an actor and, um, in, in Miami and I was in front of the camera as a child. And then, uh, while I was at my performing arts high school in the late eighties, when I was, I was always so obsessed with film and I started making a lot of short films. And from there, I, I went to New York on an acting scholarship. And while I was in New York, one summer, I got a job after my freshman year as a PA on a movie and it was at that point that I called my parents and I was like, I'm never going back to acting. And they were like baffled because I'd been doing my whole life. And I loved it, but I just was always obsessed with films. I just didn't know that what a movie producer was or any of that stuff. And, um, you know, that's kind of how it all started. And then I told them I wanted to go to film school that summer. And I enrolled at SVA and started, you know, found out that I was good at producing movies. And, you know, I mean, like putting, putting films together. And that's kind of where the interest started for me in producing that's kind of how and then from there I, you know just in a quick nutshell i i graduated from um film school moved to los angeles worked for my cousin jerry Bruckheimer and my best friend mark Wahlberg, who's a personal assistant hence the entourage and then from there 
just was always trying to raise money for my first film. And that's when I met my partner, George Furla. And from there we produced 80 something films and, uh, you know, in our TV shows, that's the clip version. That last little bit seemed like such a, a huge thing. Like your, your cousin, Jerry Bruckheimer, you, you, you're part of Mark Wahlberg's entourage. Did I hear that right? He's my best friend for 20 something years. And I was his personal assistant. Yeah. And then entourage. And then, you know, then they created a show entourage based on all of us and, you know, went from there. So who were you in entourage? We, it's a combination of a bunch of us. He, you know, I work for E and so this, is really still his, you know, main guy who used to be his assistant, and I was like the second assistant. So the combination of, you know, like Turtle and E, and you know, it's like a whole bunch of us mixed in. Your name starts showing up on producer credits when you're like what twenty four, twenty five years old. I mean, you really were pretty ambitious. You know, I think it was more just like I just love film so much. I just was so desperate to make films. And I, you know, it was like I didn't really know the business, but I knew how to make movies because I went to film school and they taught me that stuff. But they didn't teach me kind of the money part of it and how to raise money. You know, it just was like kind of an obsession, you know. I just love films and I felt like I was an artist and I had you know, a lot of drive and, and determination and I wanted to get that out there. And so I just always said, if I ever got the chance to make one movie, then I would never stop, you know? And that was kind of my mantra. One of your first executive producer credits is on NARC, which is one of, I think it is one of the most overlooked films of the early two thousands. It was terrific. What's the difference for you of being a producer versus being an executive producer on something? Well, mostly, I mostly produce the films I'm involved in, sometimes just for circumstance. Like, for instance, NARC, when it first went out as a movie to the community for financing, it came to us, and we were a very younger company, so people didn't, you know, weren't successful at that point. We were just starting to finance movies and produce movies. So when NARC came to us, Ray Liotta came to us and sat with us, and, and, we, and we told them we wanted to finance the movie and produce it with them. And they went with a different company at the time. That company didn't have the money to make the movie. And then the movie imploded. It's just to tell you how I got to be an EP on that film. The movie imploded like a week in a shooting. They ran out of money. And then they called us in desperation to step back in. And so it kind of sucked because we were so obsessed with that film from day one. And But of course, we loved it so much. When they called us, we jumped at it and we made a deal. And, and there were already so many producers on the movie at that point. So we became executive you know we took executive producer credits and kind of took over the movie at that point so sometimes when i'm an ep it's just because maybe we help put the deal together or we put some financing in but we're not really going to be day-to-day on the movie every day we just you know maybe we're focused on another film or some something of that sort is generally when we kind of executive produce a film versus produce a movie do you mind if I, I kind of throw out a couple other titles at you because you've yeah. done some amazing work over yeah, the yeah, years of course so a film like 16 Blocks, again, terrific movie. I know it got some notice when it came out, but I think not as much as it should have. But that movie is just I appreciate that. riveting from beginning to end. That movie was a huge turning point in my career, and I appreciate that because I really – that's a special film for me. That was my first big wide-release theatrical film that a studio uh, released. And I remember going into that movie, and I really, really – love that script from day one. I mean, I thought it was such a great ride. And 
you know, Richard Donner, you know, Dick Donner is such an awesome director. And I just, it was a big undertaking for us back then. You know, the budget, I think back then, I can't remember, but it was probably in the 40s, you know, maybe even 50s. And it, it was huge for us. You know, that was a kind of a scary thing for us to take a movie on of that caliber, but it was an awesome ride. I worked closely with Dick Donner in pre-production. I really got to, to work with a pro, somebody who just knew his, you know, just knew what he was doing on every level. And, and, and I agree with you, you know, it didn't perform as well as we had hoped. And I think it was, I think when people see the movie or saw it after the fact, they were like, God, that was a great film. And they really liked the movie. People really, really said a lot of great things about the film. The reviews had been really good. But like you said, I just, I don't think it caught on, but it, but it was definitely a great experience. Another one that I just absolutely love that you were involved in, and actually I just uh, spoke to Boaz Davidson a couple weeks ago, uh, and uh, I know that you uh, were worked with him on this one with uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. How was that experience for you? Oh, that was great. I mean, that that was a great, that was one of, that, another highlight. I mean, you're picking the good one, so at least that's good. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that movie was, that was another one that, that I really fought for. A lot of people in town wanted to do that film. And I was uber aggressive, uber, uber aggressive. The creative process on that film was like none other, you know, the director, obviously, you know, he's a legend and has his own way of working. And I just, I, you know, that was a really cool, that's one of those ones that I just, I knew the film would be something unique, but I didn't really know until we got into shooting it, how special and how cool and how different it would be for me in our in our resume, because working with him was was very was just, was just a just something that I always hold dear to me. That whole process, and I'm proud of that film, obviously. So, when you're working on these projects, I mean, what, what's kind of the average turnaround time for you? So, like, say a, a project like Silence comes to you, how long between when you first hear about that to when it actually is hitting screens? Silence is a <clears throat> an anomaly on its own because most most movies that I get involved with, I don't, you know, I I see, you know, they they go into production anywhere from six months to a year. It takes me to get a movie made. So that movie for me took me a total of about three years, maybe three and a half, four years till it was finished, and and that's not our norm. But Silence, we knew was going to be, you know, a real fight to get it to the starting line because obviously many people before me with much bigger resumes, you know, 20 years before me, you know, were not able to get it going. So I knew going into this, this wasn't something that was going to be a traditional deal. You know, I was like, Oh, okay. Silence was tough and we can just step right in and, and, and everything's going to be okay. I just didn't know what I was getting into when I started, you know, and it was definitely the biggest fight of my career and worth every ounce of it because obviously it was for Martin Scorsese. So for me, I, I put blinders on, just went at it, you know, and this was the biggest fight of my career for sure. So what are some of those battles that you're fighting to, to get this thing made? First, just going to meet Marty for the first time in New York. There were dozens of financiers, you know, in the mix trying to get the film. I, you know, went to New York for the first time, and I, I was fortunate that I had produced Erwin Winkler's movie, Home of the Brave, that he directed. And I also work with his son. And so I had a good relationship with him. My agent, Ari Manuel, represents Marty and represents me. So there was, you know, some good synergy going in. And But it was when I met Emma, his partner, that I just 
you know, clicked. And I went up to my first meeting with Marty and I said, you know, there's nothing I can teach you, right, in, in making a film. So I just want to be there to hold your hand or more so walk side by side with you to be able to be your partner and supporter and a, another confidant in your, in your amazing chain. Because there is nothing, there, there is nothing that I could tell Martin Scorsese in terms of filmmaking. You know, I didn't even know he would be as collaborative as he became with me. I had no idea because, you know, I went into this thing, I'm just here to support Martin Scorsese. If he wants me to hold a grip stand or a light stand, I'm going to hold the light stand. So that's kind of how I sold myself, you know, and I don't remember the meeting. I basically went blank when I went in the room. But having said that, once he said, hey, I'm going to take a chance with this, this company and, and, and let's go make this film, the, the, the big hurdles I had to make were the rights. I mean, it took me 12 months along with Emma Koskoff and Erwin Winkler to secure the rights. I mean, you had 20-something years of chain of title. You had Chucky Gorey. You had Graham King, you know, who, who held on to rights. You had Marty. You had other writers. So that in itself was a 12-month battle. And also, you know, being creative and putting the financing together. You know, I convinced Marty to go to Cannes to sell the film internationally, which he had never had to do before. And he was, you know, willing. And we went to Cannes and he sat with the buyers. And, you know, the chance of them having to sit with Martin Scorsese was one in a million because he got to do that. You know, that, that helped us sell out the foreign. I had already made a deal with an investor to back the foreign at that point. Um, a guy named Len Blavatnik. So I guess the beginning of the struggle was just securing the rights. And then, you know, we went to Cannes and Emma Kostkoff, myself, and Owen worked on the budget and we had to bring the budget down. You know, that took a long time. The technical mounting of the film in Taiwan was, was obviously, you know, complicated. And Emma was really our day-to-day producer, you know, on the ground. I mean, the challenges of just, you know, getting the distribution, you know, we first started uh, with the film, you know, we didn't have any actors in place. We had Marty really worked hard and Marty obviously pulled together an amazing cast. And then we got Paramount excited and I negotiated the deal with them. So there was just, it was a constant, you know, and then of course in the 11th hour, I lost one of our key investors and I was lucky that one of our investors at the time who was a minority investor stepped up and took that piece. And that was about four weeks before shooting. So we had a lot of, ups and downs on this movie, you know, of every sort, you know, it was, uh, it was, it, it was, it, this movie was a roller coaster all the way to the end, you know? And honestly, it, if it wasn't for Martin Scorsese, you know, I don't know with his passion and determination to get this movie made really set the bar for all of us on this movie. It, it was Scorsese's drive. I mean, he's like a, he's like an 18 year old boy, you know, who just marches, us in the battle and we kind of just have to keep up and that's what made the whole experience amazing which is pretty remarkable i mean because he's he's starting to get up there in age but i hear that he is just a ball of energy oh it's unbelievable we were in taiwan on the location scout and the first director scout i remember and we were in like a 12 passenger van and it was rodrigo prieto and dante ferretti and you know his his regular amazing oscar winning and nominated crew and I'm just, you know, it's like a kid in a candy store with these people because they're the greatest, you know, crew you can ever have. And he's been working with them for 20 years and uh, or 30 years or whatever it may be. And we're on these tech scouts and director scouts. And, you know, we're going up in Taiwan, hiking up these mountains with Marty. And he's just 
charging away all day long, you know, like, and I, I mean, I remember, I think I was five hours into the day and I was, you know, besides dizzy and sweating, I'm like, when is this going to end? I'm exhausted. But, you know, he sets that bar. He just sets the bar so high that you just can't complain because, you know, like you said, he's in his 70s and he doesn't, he doesn't bit, bitch or moan. So you don't have any right. And so I think that's what I learned from the greatest filmmaker and, you know, of our time. It's like what I learn is that's what makes him who he is. He is. He, he treats every movie like it's his first. It, he doesn't treat it like, oh, I'm just doing another movie, and especially this one, obviously. But even uh, but but the dedication that he has to his craft is second to none, and 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 it's it's never a pain in the ass. It's all even the hardest scouts that we went on, and the locations that he had to endure, and the weather that he had to put up with, and the, it's par for the course for him because at the end of the day. You know, he just, that's why he's the filmmaker he is. There's no, there's no other Martin Scorsese, you know, in the world that we, that will, and I, I think we'll never have, obviously, another one of his kind. And I think that's what I took away from it. You know, when I went to Taiwan, just watching how he talks about the locations, you know, what he sees on a location scout, I've never heard a director talk that way. It's like he's lived that movie already, he's shot the movie already. He sees he sees things on those locations that no other filmmaker I have seen sees what he sees in even the basic of location scouts that we were on. It seems like such a tough sell too. I mean, to 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 have a movie about 17th century Jesuits bringing Catholicism to uh, Japan. I mean, there's no Wonder Woman, Batman, or Superman in this film. And yeah, and I mean, listen. And by the way, we knew going into this movie, like that's that's the other thing. Like you said, what are some of the challenges? Definitely going into the movie, we knew that this is going to be somewhat of a challenge of subject matter. Clearly, it had been a challenge for 27 years prior to me coming in, you know. And so, you know, you had to take that on. But I, I think Marty, you know, who's used to making movies at a budget that he, he, you know, his movies are generally $100 million plus. He went into this movie in the 40s, you know. And that's, even though in, in by, for some people that's a large budget, but for Martin Scorsese, that's not. And he did that because he knew that this movie had to be made responsibly, but at the same time being honorable to his vision. In doing that, the only reason he was able to do that is he deferred, you know, basically all of his money and and the actors took very, you know, minimal, you know, if not scale. And so everybody on the movie showed up for to support Marty. It wasn't about the financial part of it. And that, that's why he was able to make the movie you know, for that price, all that money went to supporting his vision. So yeah, it was not easy. And it definitely was uh, a big undertaking to support, you know, the subject matter as well. But I, for me personally, my journey was, they say the word Martin Scorsese and there was nothing else to be said for me. When they said that I got on the plane and I said, whatever it takes, I'm getting this movie made. It didn't matter. No one was stopping me. If you know, if we went, if my company went bankrupt doing it, we were going to make that movie. The cast of the film is just tremendous. I mean, with your your main leads, but even to have you know Shinya Tsukamoto in the film, I mean, that must have been a great experience for him, being one of, for me, Japan's great directors, being able to work with Martin Scorsese. Oh, I mean, it, it, the casting on this movie, I was involved in a lot of the casting. Obviously, the key cast. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, I worked, you know, we worked to support Marty, and, you know, <clears throat> you know, the casting was a big, 
part of the film because, you know, securing distribution was reliant a lot on what kind of actors came to the table. And Marty was very open-minded and understood the delicate matter of, of the subject matter of the film and that it needed a certain level of cast and that would help us get it. So we all kind of worked together, but of course in the end, Marty gets to pick who he wants to pick. But I think that Marty was always sensitive to being open and hearing kind of like who would help more distribution versus less, whatever. But Marty's assembling and going to Japan and handpicking his cast, but the supporting uh, Japanese cast that we had, I mean, it was spectacular. I mean, Marty is, in my opinion, I mean, his attention to detail in casting actors is second to none. And I agree with you across the board. Every single actor you watch in that film that he selected is, is just flawless, you know? And he prides himself on going, you know, he spent, I, I mean, I didn't know this going into the film because I hadn't worked with him before, but I just remember the detail on the time and, and, and how he does not waver, you know, on who he wants. Like when he makes a decision, you, it's my job as a producer and Emma's job and Erwin's job to support those decisions because you know, he's Martin Scorsese and you don't, you don't want anything but a Martin Scorsese movie, but that's all Marty. He really is uh, very gifted when it comes to casting. Clearly. You're working so hard on all these movies. I'm sure you have so many pokers in the fire and a movie will get done. A movie will wrap. I'm sure that you have a little bit more to do with it after it wraps, but then at some point it must feel like I'm talking to you about silence and this almost must feel like it's kind of, almost in the past for you because you're already still <laughs> working on stuff. You're on to the next thing, if not the next dozen things like looking at your CV, you know, there's at least uh, a half dozen movies out there that have your name already <sighs> attached to them. Traditionally, you're right. Once the movie goes into post-production, obviously there's a quiet period generally of like 12 weeks, but with Marty, I mean, his post period is a year and a half. So it's a little different, but at the same time, Marty, this movie, I was so, my heart was so deep into this film. I was so involved on every level. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this movie never went away from me. I mean, I, if not, I, I mean, I flew to New York so many times during post to get to see cut scenes, screenings, uh, marketing meetings, where, like, because this movie was very special for me. Um, but, 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 yeah, I mean, we have a lot of movies in development. We have a lot of movies that we've shot since we wrapped Silence, even before it's going to come out next week. But, you know, silence, I just, I really was a very big part of my life on every level. And I just never, ever disconnected myself from the process. You know, I really took it very seriously because I just, you know, you don't know when this is going to happen again, you know, in your career. So I wanted to just be involved as much as I could be. And that's, that's basically what I did all the way to the end. But, but yes, since, since silence is wrapped, I've probably done eight movies, nine movies. I don't, I don't know exactly traditionally when a movie wraps, I go on to the next and then, you know, I, until the director's ready to show traditionally speaking, their director's cut. And then I'll look at the cut and, you know, and then get back involved, you know, with the studio and editing and all the way to the release and the marketing. Whereas silence, it was such a long post-production period that, you know, we, we stayed involved for, you know, for, for a long time, all the way up until, until our final screening, even last night, even last night, I was at a, mixer with Andrew Garfield and Emma with a lot of Ampus voters. So, you know, this, this, this movie doesn't really end, you know, there's no real, I mean, I thought it would end, but there's no real end. You know, I think it's just kind of a journey that keeps going for a while, which, which I'm happy with because it's been amazing. 
Right. Well, and let's be honest. I mean, the movie opens nationwide January 6th, so this is probably going to be an Oscar contender, so you're going to have to stick with this ride for a few more months, I imagine. <laughs> from, your mouth, from your mouth to God's ears, I hope it's an Oscar contender, but I, I will say that I will ride with this movie as long as there is a place for me to discuss it, but it really is one of those movies that we made it for all the right reasons. We all took basically no money to get this movie made, and, and I am so proud you know, on every level, so the more I can talk about this film and the more I can promote this film, I'm all about it because I, I, you know, I'm so honored to have been part of it. And, and I think every producer you talk to that's involved, you know, feels the same way. There's just, a, you know, this, this was, you know, I was involved, like I said, three, four years. There are others who have been involved 15 years, others involved 20 years and five years. So there's not a lot of people that came onto this movie, except maybe some of the financiers. Other than that, you know, most of us have been involved for a long time. So we're, we're proud of that you know, special. When we first started talking, I, I brought up a couple of movies and, and just some of the ones that I think, you know, from your filmography are, are fantastic stuff, but just tend to get a little bit overlooked or maybe haven't gotten as much notice as they should. For you, what are some of the other movies that people should be on the lookout for that you've done that maybe you had a great time doing or just are really special for you? I think the, the other movie that really was very special to me that will always be, and I even spoke to the star and producer of the movie last night, and we were just talking about it would be a lone survivor. You know, he's got Mark is my best friend and he has Patriots day, you know, and we consider ourselves like brothers, you know, the same exact age. And, you know, he called me last night just to congratulate me on everything with silence. And I congratulate him everything with Patriots day. And we were just reminiscing that how we both took away from lone survivor, that there's just something we were already bonded as brothers for 25 plus years now. But, you know, when a movie is special, like Silence, there's just, they don't come around that often, these kinds of films or these kinds of experiences. And Lone Survivor was another experience for me and that Mark and I still talk about it, you know, because it was always, it was just, you know, Mark found the property and and, with, and, and then, you know, brought you know him and, Pete, him and Pete Berg together, came to me and then I got involved and, it's just one of those moments in my career that I can remember everything about it. Everything, every part of that experience was worth the fight to get that film made. And, and then the reward of, even when I see it on TV, I'll click through channels and boom, it'll come on. And, and, and I know it sounds self-indulgent, but I'm not, I'm not a self-indulgent person because I, you know, I don't even watch my own movies more than once or twice, but Lone Survivor is the kind of movie that anytime it's on, I can't turn it off because I just think it's just beautiful. You know, I think Peter Berg, did a phenomenal job. I think Marcus Luttrell's story is so powerful and so real and raw and important. And I just always feel like I need to watch the film every time I get to see it. Every time it comes on TV, I never turned off. And it's just one of those experiences I had out of all the movies I made. It's a film that I'm, you know, utterly proud of. And also for the experience, you know, because I made 89 movies and, and Lone Survivor probably is one of those films that I put up, you know, there as my, one of my proudest moments. That's another one where you just have an amazing cast. I mean, I actually went into that movie just to see Ben Foster because he is always so electric on screen. Ben Foster is by far one of the greatest American actors we have. I agree. I watch Ben Foster in anything. So, you know, and I'm always blown away how diverse and intense 
and how committed he is to the roles that he takes. You know, I mean, it's really, he's a brave, brave actor, you know, is a really, really brave actor, not, not afraid to take things on and, and, and give it every ounce of his uh, being. So what do we have to look forward to? Other, of course, silence, but what else is coming out in 2017 that we should look for from you? I'm really excited about Gotti. You know, John Gotti's life story that John Travolta is playing, Kevin Connolly directed. It's a movie that I'm, you know, really proud of. Um, we're in post-production now. It'll be released, I think, you know, second quarter of next year. I think it'll probably go to a festival, we hope. And, you know, that I mean, and, you know, we've got a bunch of other stuff we're in development. Um, on and we've got a bunch of movies that we're going to do um, as well. We're doing the sequel to Escape Land, which is just a fun film and a fun ride, and it's very successful internationally. But you know, there's a lot of other stuff we're getting ready to make deals on, and you know, uh, hopefully another Mark Wahlberg movie next year we're in negotiations on. And so, so just you know, more stuff and more films, and hopefully good films. So that that'll be next year. Fantastic. Yeah, Escape Plan is another one that when I went to see that, I was just like, why aren't more people talking about this? This is so much fun. That was such a great ride. I love the script of Escape Plan. I think a lot of people had a lot of fun watching it, and, and I did for sure. And, and then internationally, it turned into this you know, big success for us. So, yeah. And it's going to be more Chinese based because of co production, because the first one did so well in China. So, we're excited about that. Well, thank you so much. This has been great talking with you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And thank you for making it easy and fun. Enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise.